Hey there, we're real glad you found our podcasts from Life Church in Benalla, Australia. We pray this message is a real blessing to you. So last week we were speaking from uh, First Book of Kings, chapter nineteen, and uh, of the occasion where Elijah ran away from the king's wife Jezebel. Uh, he had done some incredibly powerful things, but in a weakened and uh, very run-down physical state, he had got very emotionally and physically, even spiritually down, and in fear had run away. And uh, just, just to very quickly go over, uh, we did read these verses on uh, these three verses last Sunday, but First Kings nineteen, beginning at chapter five, he'd run away and gone out into the desert. And it says in verse five, then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, "Arise and eat." Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time, touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he rose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food, forty days and forty nights, as far as horror of the mountain of God. May I just say before I go where I want to go today, God always supplies what you need. He supplies enough for your need in your present journey. Uh, on the strength of what God, uh, the, the little cakes, whatever they were, some sort of bread, I guess, um, and water that God, uh, through an angel, gave Elijah, he had strength to go 40 days and 40 nights on that. And... I just know there's a principle there, like um, uh, we like to have enough money put away for the next 40 years or however long we think we're going to live or our retirement and our super, but what did Jesus say when he taught the disciples to pray? Give us this day our 10 yearly bread. No, he said, give us this day our daily bread. And God does that. God supplies you, and sometimes when he supplies you, you think, well, I don't think this is enough, but it always is. I know when, uh, many years ago, when the president of the gymnastic club came and told us that they were leaving, and uh, uh, we were struggling for money as it was, and he came and said they're leaving and pulling a huge amount of rent out, and I thought, <laughs> Yeah, I was a bit like Elijah. I sunk at the knees. I thought, what are we going to do? Lance would remember. And I prayed. And I explained the problem to the Lord so he would clearly understand. Not that I didn't think he would know, but you know how we get. And Lord, we just, we're in trouble. And I thought when I asked him, he would come up with a, an emergency plan to finance our future. And he said, take up an offering and move from there into here. I said, Lord, you haven't heard me. You haven't, you haven't been listening properly. Like, we, you know, and he never said another thing. He doesn't. He told me what to do. And I realized I could ask him and ask him and nothing was going to be said. He told me what to do. So we took up an offering and I thought, well, that's not going to be enough. But it was. 
just got some things cheaper than we thought and God provided in a wonderful way. But for your life today, I'm just telling you, you can be confident that God will provide for you and the journey that you're on. He always does. Amen? Elijah was running away. He hadn't asked him to do that. But even though we get off course a bit and off, God looks after us and he provides for us in his grace. Amen? And you can be really, 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 really confident of that today. So we, we get to uh, verse 9 of First Kings 19. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? That might, might have been a bit of a comeuppance when he heard that. But um, what I want to go over today is this. What is the answer to that question? What, what are you doing here, Elijah? God hadn't told him to come there. So it was a legitimate question. What are you doing here? What are you? So I'll tell you what I believe. I believe Elijah was trying to be like Moses, to whom God called to go up that mountain once upon a time, a great leader, a prophet also, uh, which was what Elijah was to Israel. And he'd been called up there and he'd conversed face to face with God and, and heard the voice of God and had remarkable things said to him and given to him up there. And I think Elijah wanted to be like Moses. And then Moses heard God up there, I'm going up there. But as I've you know explained, God called Moses up there. He did not call Elijah up there. So this was something that Elijah was doing really, really, really by himself. And uh, what do we learn out of that? Well, we can't assume... God will meet us and minister to us the way he ministered to someone else. We're all individual. It doesn't work like that. And uh, uh, it, it just doesn't. And many of you who have been around a day or two will understand and know that. And just because God spoke to so-and-so like this in this place, you can go do the same thing, but it doesn't mean anything. God meets us all where we are, in the middle of what we're doing, where he's asked us to be, and God will speak to us there. But we can't assume that because something happened to someone someplace, that if we go there, the same thing will happen. If God called us to go to that place, well, that's a different deal, isn't it? But I believe that's what was going on with him, with Moses. And, uh, you know, uh, in trying to be like Moses, he made a good Elijah. <laughs> okay? We're best at being ourselves. And, you know... It's, very, it's hard for me at times when someone says, we did this in our church. Think, wow, that sounds good. And we did this and this happened and this happened. And think, wow. And your inclination is, well, let's do it too. And then you pray about it and you just get a no. We, we're not them. You know, we're all churches are individual. People are so uniquely individual. And God treats us that way. God speaks, us, speaks to us in our individuality wherever we are. And I love that about him. Amen? He's a great God. Number two, point number two. What was Elijah's answer to God? That's what I think was going on. I think he was trying to be like Moses. And, but what did he, what was his reason? How did he answer the, you know, the question personally? Well, God says, what are you doing here? And so I think uh, verses 10 and verse 14 give Elijah's reasons for being there. 
And so this is what he answered to God. So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone, only me, am left. And they seek to take my life. And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because, in verse 14, because of the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seem to take my life. It's the same words. So he's making really sure that God hears him and knows exactly what's going on, as if God doesn't know. And Elijah should well have known that God knows everything, but he was trying to state it real clear in case God made any mistakes about why he was running away. And so I, I get really what Elijah was about was he thought, if I go to Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, like Moses did, God will be there, because Moses found him up there. So I'm going to go there, and I can invite him give him a personal invitation to my pity party. Because he was really having one, wasn't he? Poor me. I'm the only one left. There's no one else in all of Israel. Yeah. And, and you know, how, how wrong he was. But, um, you know, you could put it another way and say Elijah was probably looking to feed his fears and his emotions and his, his, uh, his intellect, uh, his soul realm, by having the Lord feel sorry for him. But you can't make God feel sorry for you. God has compassion on us and he loves us. He understands us. Jesus lived as a man on earth. He understands all too well humanity. And God has grace and, as I say, mercy and he has compassion, but he doesn't join pity parties. And he very curtly told, uh, uh, I was going to say Moses told um uh, Elijah in verse 18, yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth has not kissed him. When we get down, we can get things so wrong, can't we? Sometimes we can, we can really get, you know, disproportionately out of focus things that are happening, and things seem twice as bad as what they really are because we're run down and we've got physically down and maybe emotionally down and that starts to affect our spirits and they go, oh God, not man, i be honest with you, I got like that when we were having a hard time just working out what bills to pay those weeks, like we were going for a really hard time and then the gym club comes and says we're pulling 1600 bucks a month out of the deal and, and I just, <laughs> like we can get like that at times and I thought, how can we possibly do this? And But the offerings came up. I don't know how, but they did. I mean, I know God does it. But, and, and, you know, I'm not saying we hadn't hundreds of thousands of dollars to give away, but we paid our way. You know, he supplied. In the, in the, on the journey we were on at that stage, he supplied. And I know that he does that. Okay? Praise God. I've got to keep moving on or I will not make it. Number three, sometimes when we're down, what we think we need is a God hit. Anyone ever been like that? It's like having some God Red Bull, if you like. You sort of drink that and, yeah. And, uh, like, seriously, and, and uh, you know, because in verse 11, 
if we keep reading, then he said, the Lord said to Elijah, go out, stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains, broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Uh, there's nothing wrong with experiencing the power of God. Sometimes it can come on and make you shake and it can make you cry and it can make you laugh. And, man, I'm open to everything that the Spirit of God can do. I love the power of God. But there are times in our lives when what we need is the still, small voice to speak into our hearts. And sometimes all the action and all the noise and, and it, it just it doesn't hit the need we have. Sometimes only the still, small voice will do that. We read about that in the verses that follow, 12 and 13. After the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice spoke to him. And ask the same question, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know whether Elijah was starting to get a little bit of a complex by this now. But like Peter, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Poor old Peter was starting to get a little bit thingy about it all, wasn't he, in the end? And, and uh, so, you know, I think he's expecting some powerful word. Poor, Moses, poor, poor Elijah, you're the only one left, but man, am I on your side and I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to... And he just keeps saying, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Three times he asked him. And, uh, but... Uh, uh, we need that, don't we? And I know there'll be many of you here today will know that you just at times need God to speak to you in that still, small voice that you clearly understand. And God does that. In his grace, he does that. Who's ever heard God speak to them? We all have, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, I do know he won't join a pity party, but he will speak to you the right time and the right place with still small voice that you can understand. It's amazing, isn't it? We need to watch self-justification. I just sense a little bit of that in Moses, and self-justification is not a good thing to have hanging around. It's not character building. It's not, it, yeah, it's just would rather not to have self-justification hanging around. You know what I mean, don't you? It's everyone else's fault. It can't be my fault. And, uh, but, he, you know, when, when God said to him, God spoke to him, I reckon in his heart he thought, yeah, see, I was right. I was right to run here. I was right to come here to horror because God's speaking to me. Wow, I was right all the way along. But he wasn't right because what did God say? What are you doing here? <laughs> And God's not on the side of self-justification. Amen? If we're honest and we deal properly, God will look after us. But I believe we need to be honest with ourselves and with God. And sometimes you don't know what you want, do you? you ever had? I, I know babies get like that, don't they? You pick them up and you rock them and then you won't stop crying. And you give them the bottle and they have two sucks and you think, oh, this is good. And then... Remember Pam saying, I don't know, which are probably all our kids, I said, what's wrong with them? I don't know. They don't know what they want. 
I don't know how to fix it then either. You know, sometimes we get like that. What do I need? I don't know, God. I just need you. I just need you. We need to be honest. And I think we need to be honest with each other. How you doing? Oh, man. I'm going okay, but man, I, I just need to hear God in my life at the moment. People pray for you then. But yeah, no, I'm cool. Just everything's together. <laughs> yeah, we need to be honest with ourselves and God. Sometimes what we need is to hear Him. We make shrines out of places, was point five, and I should keep moving very quickly. But we do that, don't we? Yeah, so-and-so got saved here or someone got healed here, I need to go there. Mightn't happen. You know, I know I got baptised in the Holy Spirit sitting on the front step of the Tawonga Church. So does that mean today, if you're looking to be baptised in the Holy Spirit, that if you go and sit on the front step of the Tawonga Church, it'll happen? Probably not. Probably say, what are you doing here? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like we, but we do, don't we? We can make shrines out of places and that. I know a lady came here once and she saw a vision of Jesus. He stood on the platform there. We, we didn't see it, but she saw him as real, as real, as real. And some of you might remember that. She just went and I knew something was going on. It was really huge experience for this lady. But she then wanted a key to the building so she could come in and see him. And I said, no, that's not. That's not, it's like he's everywhere, he's in you. He's giving you something special here today, but he could appear to you anywhere, like it's, it's not here, it's not this spot. And we, we're not going to put a statue there or anything like that, but it, we, we do that at times, don't we? And I remember uh, uh, Ferguson, Robert Ferguson, uh song man, um, was asked to preach at a church in Bradford and uh, um, it was the church where it was Smith Wigglesworth's home church. And it's where he collapsed on the carpet one day and died in this particular church. And so he was asked to go. They didn't have a pastor and he was asked to go and fill in for a couple of weeks. So he walked in there. And, this is the spot, brother. This is the spot that's marked on the carpet where the man fell. And, and this is and this is and and he said, I just had something rise up in my spirit within me. He said, what are you guys doing here? And he preached the day. He said, it was the deadest church I've ever been in. And he said, the trouble with you guys, you're worship, worshipping a bit of carpet where some great man fell. And he said, you've died. This is the most dead church I've ever spoken in. He said, get a life. Clean the carpet. Get a new one. Rip it up and start getting some fresh revelation in God. But we can do that sometimes, can't we? And I think reading this passage of Scripture makes me aware that I don't want to make shrines of any place, but I want current, fresh revelation and experience in God. Amen? How are you going so far? Yeah. You can take your seatbelts off. We're travelling okay. Yeah. Yeah, praise God. Number six, the sound of the voice of God will be unique to every one of us. How I hear it may not be how you hear it. And how you hear it may not be how I hear it. But we need to learn the voice of God. Now, I'm sure that some people crying out to God for answers and they get none, but I think he's talking, but they don't hear. 
heard once of an Indian uh, come off a reserve in the States and he'd never ever been to a city and so uh, someone took him into a fairly large city and he was just blown away, cars and buses and he just, noise and he said, I can hear a cricket. And they said, what? He said, I can hear a cricket. Because see, he knows the sound of a cricket. And even amongst all the traffic and everything else in a little plant box in the entrance of a building, he could hear a cricket chirping. <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes, like, if we know the voice of God, in amongst the busyness of life, we'll hear him when he speaks. But we need to be aware of that and, and, and what, the, what the voice of God sounds like to us. You know, I, uh, I know Greg uh, hears God when he rides his bike. Doesn't he? And, uh, but I don't. If I got on a bike with the silly shorts and everything and pedaled up the side of the road, I wouldn't hear God, I'm sure. I'd probably hear a few car horns tooting me. Uh, it's not my thing. But if I hop on my motorbike, see, I've had revelation. It's got a motor in it. Yeah. It's much easier. Gets you into trouble sometimes too. But, uh, uh, I hear God that. We hear, we hear different, different places. Warren McMartin, I think it's just, uh, I can't understand the man, if he's probably human or not, but he hears God at times when he mows the grass. And I have not had that experience. I just uh, think, why does this stupid stuff grow? And I cut it and it'll be back next week. I just can't figure it out. But, but we will all hear God someplace, and we need to be aware of that. Sometimes you say, hey, look, excuse me to your husband and wife, I just need to go for a walk. If that's where it is, if that's how it happens, we'll cultivate that. If it's going and sitting in a chair where you're comfortable someplace, we'll do that, whatever it is. But at times you just need to get away and hear the voice of God. Who knows Brian Leckie? He's sitting down there. So Brian took me to Phillip Island to see the World Superbikes one time. No, MotoGP, wasn't it? I think it was MotoGP. And so we're going through oh, Cranbourne, was it? Or heading out that way. And they had some big rally there of bikes, like for about 2K, there was just thousands of them. And they're all in some Barry Sheen memorial riding, you know, riding to the island. I, I just said, what a pack of idiots. I can't. You can go up on a mountain road and ride fast by yourself, or you can ride in first gear all the way to Phillip Island. I couldn't think of anything worse. But there was thousands and thousands, and I'm not kidding you, bikes. There was really lots of them. And boom, boom, you can hear all these noises. And uh, and Steve will know. Uh, Steve's not here. Vroom. I heard this noise. That's a Honda 4. That's a 7.5. That's a K2 7.5. I've had one. It's just, there's something about it. it. I don't know, it's the same, but it's not. It's just a little bit. There's just, a, I heard it, and I looked around, sure enough, there was this old guy at my age. It looked like he'd still had it from way back then. I've moved on to more powerful, better equipment, but I heard the sound of it. And it needs to be like that, that you're just reading your Bible, whatever it is. And you think, yeah, that's it. And you never know when God will speak to you. You can't say, well, Lord, I'm scheduling some time this morning between five and six. Uh, now, I need to know this, this and this, so please uh, let me know. Uh, it doesn't always work like that, does it? I've prayed early hours of the morning, praying and praying for things. And what did God say? Nothing. 
I'm driving my car down here and God said this. Where is that verse? Rushed into my office to find this verse and set the alarm off because I forgot because God spoke to me in the car. We have a problem in the pastor's office. There's been an entry. I said, yeah, well, there has. Yeah, that's me, the pastor. I just walked in. Is there a problem? I said, no, well, not really. <laughs> but, yeah, you're annoying me. Go away. <laughs> but, you know, God does that, doesn't he? We just need to be open and switched and, and, and hearing his voice the way we hear it. We need to do that. And, uh, and I, I don't, you know, condemn this man. I really don't. Uh, he got down, you know, he got fearful like we've all done the wrong thing. We've all made mistakes. God in his grace sustained him and looked after him. But uh, there's some things, he, he made some further mistakes and maybe now uh, that the Reverend Gary is not here next week, maybe we can talk about that next week. But um, and I'm a little, I'm a little let down that he's not coming because... Uh, uh, I'd already booked in the fish and chips, but uh, if he's having open heart surgery, <laughs> might have cured that, might not. <laughs> it might have cured that. Hey, can I read you a passage of scripture? Three, four, five, six verses. I, I, I believe God wants to speak to some of you this morning. Uh, some of you who got baptised, and I believe there's others here this morning, and you need to hear these voices. Because I believe what God is wanting to say to you today is that it is a new day. It's a new season. And I could get up this morning, I can prophesy what God's given me, but it's in these verses, and I just want to read them this morning, Song of Songs, chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. The voice of my beloved. You can pick a voice that you love, can't you? You can pick a voice that you know and love. I can pick my wife's voice anywhere. I can hear it. I can pick Steve's laugh anywhere. I can hear it. Yeah. The voice of my beloved. Behold, he comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind our wall. He is looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past. I think for some of you it's been like it's been a long winter. But I believe the word of the Lord to you today is that it's past. It's past tense. It's gone. It's a new day. It's a new season. The winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing has come. And the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs. And the vines with tender grapes give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. We could keep reading. It's beautiful, isn't it? Trouble is, we like flowers, but we don't like the rain sometimes. But we need it all, don't we? No flowers. No, no rain, no flowers. Yeah, praise God. Praise God. 
I, I will say again, um, uh, too, that I would love to pray for the, the, the folk that got baptized. I'd, I'd love you to come after and, and, uh, uh yeah, we want to, uh, pray for you this morning. But, uh, yeah, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Just let the Holy Spirit minister in your heart today. Ah, just declare a new day. <laughs> a new day, a new season. I live in hope that this season will change as far as weather goes. But it's too hot. But I know in the morning, it's better. There's a, there's a little bit of coolness in the morning that wasn't there in the, in the hottest of the summer heat. And uh, just sometimes at night you go outside and it's cooler. It's just, it's just a little different. There'll be a bit more dew in the mornings and it will just start bit by bit. And I believe it's like that in some of your lives today. It's just starting to change. It's been a long, hard road, but it's changing. It's changing. I speak that prophetically to you today. It's changing. It's changing. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Who needs that change of season? Who's looking for that in your life today? Yeah, see the hands. See the hands. Just let the wind of the Holy Spirit breathe on you today. Just let him blow on you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just thank you today because you know where we're at. You know where we're at today. You know the season. And you know that it's changing. I thank you for that. Lord, I just believe it's going to be a day of new fruit, of change for the better. It's just going to be something different. But Lord, I know as these folk today just take hold of those verses. If you want to know what they are, you, if you can't remember, you haven't written them down, come and see me. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. You could just keep reading down. The wind is gone, it's a new day, the spring's coming. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this podcast has been a real blessing to you. If you'd like to know more about Life Church Vanilla, search the web for Life Church Vanilla or search Facebook for Life Church Vanilla. Have a fantastic week.